where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. I don't know what Jackson's doing here, but I literally just put my bag down full of show prep. (laughs) Materials. Thank you. Bits. (laughs) And he goes, here we go. I don't have my headphones in. And I'm supposed to do a show? That's what you're asking me to do here? This one's on me. Is it really? No. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's Balloon Party. It's 101 ESPN. I was talking with Randy Carricker and uh, Matt Rocchio and Kerry Davis out there. Great people. Wonderful people. Yep. Friends of the Feather. Absolutely. They have a wonderful show, too. For real. I kind of get uncomfortable, and it's like, yeah, we had Dan McLaughlin and John Rooney and Adam Wainwright. and Yeah, David Prime just called back in, you know, even though he's with the Wingy Wingy. and. It's like, oh, well, I'm friends with, you know, Gabe, and he calls in. <laughs> and brings heat. Yeah, he does bring heat. Uh, you can get involved on the show, 65780. Let me unpack and settle in to do, <laughs> some, housekeeping. do some radio. Uh, 65780 is how you can text into the show. Of course, you can leave a mic drop, and uh, Jackson will seemingly only play Steve's, and I don't know what that's about, but trust me, there is a full-fledged audit going on on, on, on that on that hole. On that hole. How about that hole? How about that whole deal? Oh, you are over there checking for mic traps as we I speak. I am, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought I'd give it a once-over. Fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, get involved on the program. Cardinals and Brewers tonight with a chance to clinch. Blues win comfortably last night. Chris Kerber is going to join us on today's radio presentation. What time will Kerbs be joining us? 10-15. 10-15. All right, Chris Kerber with us uh, talking it over as the Blues win last night. Four to nothing. And, uh, and the Cardinals will have a chance to clinch tonight. I was... Uh, was on a podcast last night. Guys were great guys. Yeah. Enjoyed being on it. Do you know how I appeared on this podcast? Uh, I do, but for the listeners' sake, I figured we... Yeah, do you, as, as co-host of the presentation, do you go, no, I don't, and act like you don't? It's a tough spot. I like the honesty. Yeah, I don't want to be disingenuous. Right. It's honesty in media. Bingo. That when we played Max Kellerman... He says he was not insinuating Albert Pujols was using performance-enhancing drugs. Um, but the audio of that from ESPN was pulled by these gentlemen, Indianapolis guys, uh, who are big Cardinal fans, uh, on the That's a Winner podcast. And you just played it, and so I just figured it was straight from ESPN. As it turns out, we got it from their account, I guess, is the way that it went on. Right, yeah. They took a video. And so it. they were requesting a hat tip, H slash T, as it's known on the Twitter tweets, mm-hmm. which I'm not all that active on. And I said, oh, I will I will hat tip you. And then they asked me to come on the podcast. And I said, yes, I'd be happy to do it. And so we were on there last night talking about a wide variety of things. 
And, uh, and, and it was a good conversation, and we were talking about this. And here's my observation, Jackson, with regards to the Cardinals. Because now the L.A. series is over. The playoffs are within the next 10, 11 days. And Pujols has hit 700. That I think, you tell me if I'm wrong, and I want the audience to tell me if I'm wrong, and I'm quite confident they'll be happy to do so, that the Cardinals have performed so Poorly for, I mean, I don't even really know how you could candy coat that. But because, understandably, fans have been distracted by Pujol's pursuit of 700, and there really isn't a race in the National League Central, nor is there a race for even the second seed, that for the last three weeks or so, Cardinal fans, I think, have more been more focused on Albert Pujols, and that's the topic as opposed to what has gone on with some of the star players' performances. And when you look at them, they're a bit alarming. Oh, yeah. But I think, let me put it this way and see if you agree with me here. If the Cardinals were two games up on the Brewers or two games back at the Brewers, or if the Brewers had won the division and the Cardinals were going back and forth with the Phillies and Padres like the Brewers are right now, and they were playing like they are... I think 90% of the content on 101 ESPN and a hell of a lot more activity on social media would be directed toward the performance of Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, um, Adam Wainwright, uh, to an extent recently Jordan Montgomery. And instead, I feel like it is flying under the radar because team-wise, there isn't that much at stake. Right, I heard you saying. So it's not because of ignorance as in intentional the attention has been on one player but now he's gotten to 700 and now the playoffs are a week from friday and you sit there and you go wow look at some of these numbers here they're eye-opening and by the way eye-opening as well on the positive side is how well jose quintana has been pitching in the month of september really well but adam wainwright's at a 6.23 ra i think his dead arm topic has been out there but uh, the reality is the Cardinals are not playing good baseball, and it just hasn't really gotten that much attention because you've had Albert Pools and you have no race. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's uh, in part the truth because it's kind of like the shiny object distracting people from like, oh, boy. It's a wonderful shiny object. Yeah, and it's, it's a great thing. And in the grand scheme of things, you know, if they are to catch fire and make a run, then it'd be kind of moot. But, yeah, they have not been playing well at all, both offensively and from a pitching standpoint. Uh, I think part of that, too, the West Coast trip late games uh, plays a small role in kind of like, oh, Albert did this. I'm, I might not watch tomorrow. Who knows? It's Saturday night. It's on super late. Who knows? But, yeah, I think that part of the reason that you know it isn't getting talked about as much is because of Pujols. They got a real situation in the outfield. You know, that there's so much uncertainty when it comes to who's going to be there in the playoffs. And the pitching rotation, it's kind of like who can you trust right now? Because it changes day by day, it almost seems like. Yeah, just to, to give people some of the numbers, because again, and listen, some of you might be well aware of this, but understandably, when there isn't much of a race and you have this incredible moment, I mean, only the fourth player to do this yeah. in the history of the game. Historic. And also, it's not just like a guy who showed up. I right. mean, there's so much to this Albert Pujols story that the team's performance has kind of fallen on the back. I think people are going, ah, it's weird that they're not scoring runs against the Reds and... 
you know, the Padres and, you know, they're fighting for playoff spots, so they're motivated, and the Dodgers are going to win 110 games or something like that. But, you know, just to, just to give you an idea, just to let people know where we are on this thing, for the month of September, here are the, here's the Cardinal rotation uh, and, and the numbers. Jordan Montgomery has a 4.67 ERA in the month of September. Uh, Adam Wainwright, 6.38. And, uh, and Miles Michaelis is at 2.52, which is certainly encouraging. Uh, and then the one that really stands out is um, how great Quintana's been. Yeah. And if you do have a lefty-heavy team like the Phillies with the core of their lineup, would they be more apt to go with Quintana over, at that point, one of the guys you would assume would be in there? And by that, I mean Wainwright, Montgomery, Michaelis would not be a starter in a best-of-three against the Phillies if Quintana's in there. Yeah, yeah. And and Montgomery also being a lefty also throws a kind of a wrench into that rotation because then do you possibly take two of those guys out uh, or you substitute Wayno or Michaelis. Who who knows? There's so much of it's based on matchup. But Quintana's been rock solid over the last month, whereas Montgomery, who since the trade deadline has been like has the highest war through like post trade deadline to like the beginning of September of anybody traded, but has not looked like the same guy over the past week, two weeks or so. So a lot of uncertainty in that sense, and so much of it's based on matchup. You know who's been good as of late, and I would imagine you will see him quickly, is Dakota Hudson. I'm not talking about as a start. But in a best-of-three series, the urgency is immediate. If you can take yourselves back to a best-of-seven, even if you want to go with the Blues playoff series, I don't know about you. I know for me, when a new series starts, especially after you've just won a previous one, it's like, okay, you're just kind of easing in because right. you're not as intense watching it like anything can happen. It's a game five and a best of five. Or Sense of game urgency seven is different. Seven. Right. Well, that's different in a best of three. Big time. If you're down 5 nothing in the fifth inning of game one, you're going, oh, my God. Yeah, Unless we come back here, the season's on the line tomorrow. Yep. And what I would tell you is that means I don't care who it is because the Cardinals don't have take your pick of whoever's in the Mets rotation that you would consider to be the greatest ever and whoever's in the Padres rotation. You know, There's no Corbin Burns or Aaron Nola. So with that, whoever it is, if they're struggling in the second inning, I think Ali Marwell yanks them. Yep, yeah. As crazy as that might sound, we saw a little of that early on in 2011 with Tony La Russa pulling guys early on, and that's the way that it went down. And now it's commonplace in the postseason. Well, I would tell you this is going to be uh, exponentially more aggressive for managers because you do not have that luxury. You literally cannot lose two games in a row. You're done. Your season is over. In the weekend, so it's yeah. all hands on deck. Uh, so the Cardinals will have some decisions, and I think you could. I think you could make a case for any of the four guys being your game one starter at the moment. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And with Wayno and what's going on with him right now, you know, you gotta you gotta wait basically until the playoffs to be sure that he's ready to rock. Otherwise, you're gonna be putting someone out there who might not have it at the moment. It's a uh, weird spot. Uh, we asked Dan McLaughlin this question on uh, Balloon Party last Thursday when he was with us, and granted, there's some new evidence since then, but if I'm not mistaken, he said Montgomery, Wainwright, Michaelis. I believe yep. that was the order that he said. And, yeah. that, and again, there's some, some new evidence since they're, they've played four games since then, one in San Diego and three in Los Angeles. But uh, it's, it's quite a spot. And the bigger spot, really, from my standpoint, is what's going on offensively. And offensively is is incredibly concerning oh, with yeah. with what's gone on in the month of September, 
and specifically Paul Goldschmidt. Now, I just can't imagine that he will continue to struggle like he has struggled in the month of September. But just to give you an idea, Jackson, I'll just put you on the spot. Sure. Minimum of five games played. Which Cardinal has the highest OPS? And this Cardinal also happens to have the highest batting average. In the the month of September. Uh, I'm going to give you three guesses. Pujols. No, I'm sorry. Yepes. Oh, wow. I tip my cap. Thank you. Look at this guy. Huh. Thank you. Interesting. Thank you, everybody. I might have underestimated you. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Ryder. Jackson is acknowledging the gallery. Uh, all right, I'll give you three guesses on who's second. Lars Newport. No, that's the opposite. Thanks for paying attention to the season. Go uh, back to bed and take a 35-minute nap at <laughs> 10 at Friday. Awful. Pools. Nope. You got one more guess. Tommy Edmund. Nope. I'm going to give you two more guesses. Second highest OPS. Second highest OPS. Next to Yepes. Uh, yes. Okay. I forget. He had a. He, he went hot there for a couple weeks. Yepes, Molina, Pujols. If you would have put yeah, that in a parlay back in April <laughs> yeah, for the highest Cardinal OPSs in the month of September, I think you could have gotten a million to one on it. That's where it is. Uh, for the record, uh, Goldschmidt is uh, way back there. I would say he is eighth, and he's in 224 in September with a 703 OPS. And perhaps even more concerning is Arnato is at 650 with a 222 average. Again, in my mind, I'm spinning it. That just can't continue. It yeah. can't continue. Right. That Those guys aren't the ones you're necessarily concerned with. It's... But the issue has always been who's around them breaking. And now at this point, it's like, I think Yepes and, well, you know Molina's going to be in there anyway. Right. It's going to be a different set of circumstances here. But that's three back-to-back-to-back days he's catching. Yeah. And I don't know when the last time that happened was. And uh, and I think Yepes is in there. And I think Albert Pujols plays and it's not about, well, it's Albert Poole's. you got to play him. This could be the end. He has been one of their best hitters since the All-Star break. There's no doubt this about isn't, it. This isn't cute. This isn't fun. This yeah. is this is business, and he is good for business. Yeah. I guess the only case against putting in Yepes is defense, but with the offense being where it is right now, you know, it's kind of like dire where you need offense. And if Yepes is this hot, you kind of have to play him. It would be lovely if somebody could emerge in the outfield. Right. Like if Carlson can even play to – 60% of his potential, you'd be like, okay, thank God, because he's so good. And what do they do in the shortstop situation? Right, yeah. I mean, that's all. Yeah, you can't trust Gorman at the moment, so where do you go? I don't know what they're going to do with this. Yeah. So uh, anyway, your thoughts are welcome. 65780, Chris Kerber is going to join us on the other side of the commercial break. You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for Curbside. He shoots, they score! With the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. They score! Bring out the Zamboni! Refreshed by Randall's, St. Louis's number one liquor store. Visit shoprandalls.com. Welcome back. Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan Action Jackson with you for one hour. And then it's BK and Ferrario at the top of the hour. And it is our pleasure to welcome to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Kerber with us. Good morning, Kerbs. Tim, how are you this morning? I am wonderful. How are you? Kind, sir. Doing well, thanks. What's your biggest takeaway from what we've seen here in a couple of games? I would think Logan Brown's got to be at the top of the list, doesn't he? Yeah, Logan Brown has had two really good games. He'll have tonight off. Uh, we, we're, we're taking a couple of the big boys to Chicago there with uh, O'Reilly, Shen, Cairo, Neighbors. 
Uh, Bennington uh, is going to be in goal. We've got Perunovic and Falk uh, going again. Letty will play tonight. So some good games, some good guys going up to Chicago there. But yeah, I think in the first two games, you know, Logan Brown is definitely a player that that, that really stood out. And, and it's not just last night. It wasn't just the goals that you know, or the points that he he was picking up. He made a great play out of the corner that led to a rush that fed Colton Pareko up the ice. Uh, He had his stick in the lanes really well, knocked a couple of pucks away, uh, real conscientious on on the back end in the defensive zone. So I thought he's put two really good games together here and done all he can through the first two days or two games that he's been played uh, to to make a statement. And then also from a goaltending standpoint, uh, looked pretty good uh, last night, at least based on results. These aren't games that at a moment that we can see, but uh, what, are, what are your opinions on what we've seen so far there? Yeah, you know what? The goaltending in both games has actually looked pretty good, Tim. Uh, Jordan Bennington played the first 20 minutes in Wichita and then gave way to Joel Hofer. Joel Hofer is a big, uh, much like Bennington in the sense that uh, Joel Hofer has had to kind of scrap and claw for, for everything, you know, whether it was in the the World Juniors camps or those types of things, he was never high on the depth chart. And just every time he put in, he worked his way up the depth chart. And that's kind of what he's done here. And, of course, we saw what he did last year when he came in in San Jose and ended up winning that game for the St. Louis Blues last year. So that game went really well. Last night we saw uh, Thomas Grice played really well in the first period. And then the last two player periods were Colton Ellis. And Colton Ellis was strong. I and mean, they – they peppered him, and, and Dallas did have some point-blank chances, so Ellis looked pretty good. You know, we'll, we'll see uh, potentially Bennington uh, tonight as well. You know, but then we've also tonight, we've got, we've got this Russian goaltender that is going to be playing tonight at some point in time. And his name is, uh, I'm, I'm going to try to get it right, it's Zarenko. Jackson, is that correct? Uh, yep, nailed it. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, uh, Boy, that was a nice delivery on your part. The timing, the tone, perfection. I gave him my best. Listen, this, this young man is kind of a fascinating story, Tim, because while it became a bit of an issue last year with what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine, it's not something that you've heard much about here in St. Louis. Now, it was a bigger deal if you're fans of the Minnesota Wild, because, and, and, and give me a minute to set this scene up. The Philadelphia Flyers had a, a goaltending prospect. It still owed some military time. And the Russian government wouldn't let him leave Russia. As a matter of fact, it became a really fascinating story where they basically say they grabbed the kid. Uh, if you listen to some people in this, in this guy's camp, they basically, they, they, according to the reports, drugged him. And he shipped him up to a base all the way up near Murmansk. Wow. Uh, a naval base, right? So at that point in time, teams started saying, hey, well, is this going is this thing going to impact any of our Russian players? Now, over in Prague, it's going to be the San Jose Sharks playing against the Nashville Predators. And they're going to open up the season in Prague coming up, uh, it, much like the Blues did in 2009 in Stockholm against Detroit. And they're two regular season games that they're going to play. The Czech government has said they will not allow any Russian players to come into play. And so that is yet to play itself out. Uh, but there will be something going there. I believe each team, Trenton in with Nashville, and I, I don't remember the Russian player for, um, for San Jose, but that has to play itself out. Earlier in this summer, it was a question of whether or not Kaprizov you know, we're right. trying to avoid military time. You may remember when that story broke and whether or not he was going to get over. So he came over back to the United States a little bit early. All right, that all circles back 
that all circles back to uh, the Blues goaltender tonight, uh, this kid, Jarenko. Trying to get him out, they actually, not, not I, I shouldn't say trying to get him out, just trying to get him over with all this going. Trying to get him out means like you're trying to escape somebody, and I don't think that was the case. But, but getting him over, he's enrolled in school over there, which kind of negates having to go through the, uh, you know, do the military service right now. So it's all legal in, in that standpoint. But it was still a bit of a, you know, how do you get him the visas? How do you get him the permit? How do you get him there? And whether you had to, you know, you fly him to get him here through countries, you know, like Dubai or something that, that don't need, uh, don't require a visa to land, that kind of stuff. And he essentially, because of that, he was in the country of Georgia and waiting for the, the place to play out. And his agents, of course, were helping too and all that. But, but he spent about nine weeks in a hotel just trying to get that over. So he, and he got over here to St. Louis uh, like a day before the rest of the rookies were going to go to Traverse City. He was supposed to go. They decided, look, he just got over it. He's been through a lot. Let's let him catch his breath. So I'm actually uh, – and, 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 you know, in talking to the, the Blues front officer, pretty high on him. So I'm looking forward to seeing him play tonight. And I know it's kind of a long-winded background, but really a fascinating story. Yeah, him. man, that is something else. Wow. Well, yeah, let, let me – well, I'll give you this one too. You know, we, we sit here, and, and if, if fans have listened to me long enough, they know I try to always put, you know, bring the personal in, into it because, you know, when these aren't well, – while you might be playing fantasy hockey, these are actually players, right? So come trade deadline, trade deadline, while it's exciting for fans, it's anguishing a lot of time for the players yeah. and their families, right? Okay, well, with what I just said, a lot of these players from Russia are dealing with this in some way, shape, and form. When, when Russia invaded the Ukraine, you know, back in March, you know, some of our Russian players were, were getting a heck of a lot of, you know, hate stuff thrown at them on, on social media. And they, they don't have any control over Putin, right? I mean, it's just it's grossly unfair. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but what's going on over there now is if you've, if you've read the reports about, uh, you know, just, just Putin and, and adding more troops, okay, it basically implemented his own draft. He's conscripting people in. Well, they're conscripting people that even are upwards of age 55 and 60, right? So you, there are some guys in the National Hockey League, some players, who are worried that not just a brother, a family member, but maybe even a dad could God. get forced back into military service. Wow. And, and it's a real story that's going on. So a guy like Clem Costin, who's got a dad over there still, and, and things like that, It this is playing a role in things. And so... You sit there and you're going, okay, some of these kids are going to be trying to make NHL teams or pro teams coming over halfway across the world. That's going on back home. That's carrying some weight with them. Man, I am telling you. That is, a, I mean, I, yeah, I've seen all of the video curbs of of so many uh, Russian men just trying to get out of the country. And I, you know, just real transparently, you never even think about the impact it could have on members of the Blues or just players around the NHL and that it's that it could be their fathers that are just trying to get out of the country. So yeah, you're trying to make a roster, you're trying to build a career, and then you're also thinking about the situation back there, much less now your family uh, could be involved. That's something else, man. Well, and there were, there, were, there were players that did not return home after last season for fear of what happened yeah. with, that, with that, you know, Philadelphia goaltending prospect. So they, they train in different cities, stay in the cities that they were playing in. I mean, so it, it has uh, – it's, it's, it's definitely got its impact. And I, I think uh, just a, a storyline to keep an eye on, not so much uh, 
you know, well, the Blues do have, you know, they've got four Russian players, five when you, you know, Torovchenko, if Kostin, if Kostin makes this team, Barbashev, Butchnevich, and, and Tarasenko, six now with uh, Zarenko uh, coming over to North America. And so it is something to keep an eye on. But back to the game at hand tonight, I am looking forward to seeing him play. Uh, up in Chicago. Yeah, we will uh, We will see him, I would imagine, at some point in this. And then you know, the, the lines are out, and you certainly have some of the big boys making the trip to Chicago. Uh, Jake Neighbors with a big game on Saturday, if certainly a storyline going into this camp. Uh, what did you see from him on Saturday, and what is your analysis of where things are early on, sir? Well, I talked to Craig Berube about Jake Neighbors, and he said he's just a player that does everything right. And I started because, look, he did score a couple of those goals and, and had an assist. And that was good. But he also basically absolutely cleaned the clock, just absolutely cleaned the clock of Travis Boyd. Boyd carried the puck over on the right line, and Jake Neighbors kind of came across. Didn't go low like a Bobby Plager hip check, but put that shoulder right into his sternum and absolutely leveled him. Towards the end of the game, Zach Cassian came over, tried to challenge him, right like Jake Neighbors is going to or should have to fight uh, Zach Cassian. You know, and then um, – uh, I forget which Coyotes player came over and cross-checked him in the shoulder, got him in the face, too, at that point in time. And Jake, who was knocked down on that play, gets right back up and just goes to the bench. Uh, it, it's an interesting year for Jake. He knows there's competition. He knows the Blues want him to play in a top six, maybe top nine. But he knows that he's going to be in that top nine, which puts him in that third-line pairing, for example. You've got to bring some physicality. He's got all that to his game. If it doesn't quite click and they don't think he's ready, because he's 20 years old, they could send him down to Springfield in the American Hockey League, which wouldn't be the worst of things. You go down there like even Scott Perunovich did and dominate, right? Prove that you're just too good for that level. Uh, and, and it's a good learning curve, but he has had a really solid start. He's going to be in the lineup tonight as well. And that's and, and I believe Braden Shen is going to be his centerman if I saw the lines right here. At that's correct. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, and, and I think they'll Shen on, on the right-hand side. So um, if, if that's the case, uh, it'll be another really good opportunity for Jake, who's going to be given every opportunity to make this team. They, they, and part of it, Tim, they need him to make the team, too, just from a salary cap standpoint. Sure, absolutely. Well, the Blues will get a chance to uh, put some of the big boys on the ice tonight in Chicago. You can hear all the action with Chris Kerber and Joey Vitale right here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber with us every Tuesday here on Balloon Party. Always enjoy the conversations, Kerbs. Thank you uh, for the knowledge. Those are some, those are some stories there, man. My goodness. Goodness. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, thanks for sharing. stuff around some of these guys. You got it, fellas. Have an awesome week. You too, brother. Thanks, Take Kerbs. it easy. That's Chris Kerber with us here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. You are welcome to get involved in the show by texting in 65780. Air Comfort Service text line Tim McKernan and Action Jackson with you on Balloon Party. We will take a commercial break. And when we come back, Action Jackson's series of questions posing the question as to who is the greatest Cardinal to ever play? Ooh. You dare go down this road? Ooh. Wow. Ooh. All right. We'll see what uh, we'll see what we got next. This is Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan Action Jackson with you for another 21 minutes of what I would describe as pure broadcast magic. I hope that doesn't come off as self-indulgent, because if it is, it'll be a first for me. You can text in 65780, your comfort service text line, and leave a mic drop. Any mic drops today? Nah. What? Nothing Nothing addressed for us. There's some for they're, they're Randy mad at, and Carrie. Oh, is that right? And How can you be mad at those guys? That's what I said. Maybe they're not mad. Maybe they're just like, hey. I'm mad at take. myself. 
You shouldn't be mad at yourself. No, I'm self-loathing, brah. <laughs> uh, Jackson, you posed this question. Here we go. Yeah, so, let's get I mean, into you're, it. You're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're going into a dangerous little topic here. I know. All right. We briefly touched on this during TMA, but I think it leads to an interesting exercise. Is Albert Pujols the greatest Cardinal to ever play, or does that crown still belong to Stan Musial? We are clearly splitting hairs as they both are two of the greatest players to ever put on a pair of spikes, but I think a case could be made for either. Where do you stand on it? Jackson, you pose the question. I'm going to yield my time at the outset to the gentleman from Ladue. All right. So, like I said, I mean, you're really splitting hairs. I mean, these are two of the greatest players. I don't have time for your disclaimers. And and basically the conversation becomes, like, it's a question of eras. Like, how much are you valuing Stan's era versus Albert's era? I mean, numbers are pretty similar. Uh, I mean, Albert obviously has the home runs uh, and more at-bats. and uh, But they're, they both have uh, – Albert has three MVPs, Stan has three MVPs. Like, you're, you're talking pretty similar numbers. But the fact that Albert has done this now in the current era where spin rate is unbelievable and pitching has become just this force – I have to lean Albert. I have to lean Albert. I know that that might come off as sacrilegious. And I, like I said, I still think Stan Musial is the man, Stan the man himself. But with what Albert's done, 700 home runs, like it's gonna, I don't know if we're going to see, I don't know if I'm going to see that ever again in my lifetime. Someone get to 700 home runs. I agree with you. We discussed that a little bit on TMA, and Doug was making the observation with the priority on home runs at the moment and launch angle that that's inevitable, and Soto is at the moment on the pace. I don't know if you'll see people play as long as he has right. to get there. And start as early, too. Yeah, I mean, Soto certainly, yeah, he actually beat him uh, with, with starting as young as he did. Now, with all of that said, here is, here is it, it, you can call it a cop-out if you want, but it's, you know, just being honest. I didn't see them both play. Sure. And then if I were to go, well, let me put it on Twitter, then that would also have some semblance of age bias as well. I mean, how many people are on Twitter who really saw Stan Musial play? Right. So it's it's tough to really get a gauge outside of just going to baseballreference.com and comparing and contrasting. Um, from my standpoint, obviously not seeing him play, I always say, who's the best baseball player of all time? I say Babe Ruth, even though I didn't see him play. And the reasoning isn't because of his offensive numbers, which are, of course, ridiculous. It's also because he was one of the best pitchers in the game yeah. as well. And then also his offensive numbers superseded his peers by such a monster total yeah. that he was clearly in another world. I, I mean be curious if there was any way to dig into i know you can't now but like biochemically what he had going on outside of enjoying libations and such uh that made him as successful as he was because it it just in another world it's the equivalent of somebody hitting like a hundred home runs in in this era yeah so with that all said um I do think that there is an element of, oh, we're going down this dangerous realm to even talk about somebody being up there with it. I also think that there is a, there is a natural inclination of humanity, really, and I think social media probably uh, intensifies it, and that is what I would describe as prisoner of the moment. And, and therefore, whatever it is that you, me, we saw recently has to be the better of the two that are compared. And so I'd be curious 
five years from now how people would view that question because we're 72 hours or so removed from Albert Pujols hitting his 700th home run and his equity in St. Louis, his approval rating, so to speak, in St. Louis, I don't know if it's ever been higher than it is at this moment, as strange as that might sound. And that might sound somewhat blasphemous, considering I'd be taking over his MVP years or yeah, you know, hitting three home runs in Game yeah. 3 of the World Series in 2011. So I think it, I think it would kind of color the results. I don't think the question is asinine. I would like to think most people can acknowledge that, but I think in St. Louis, perhaps more so than other places, the past is held up with greater reverence. Yeah. Um, and therefore it is sounding blasphemous to even challenge something that has been almost dogma that there can't be anybody better yeah. than Stan Musial. But with his time with the Cardinals, 2001 through 2011, and then the way it is going to end, in 2022, it's better than you could have ever possibly imagined. It right. really is because it hasn't just been like a consistent April, May, June. It was it was a crescendo. It was going to a concert, and then the artist you're watching or the band you're watching just kills it for the final you know 60 percent of the show, and you're going, "That's the greatest show I've ever seen." You right. can't believe it. Yeah. And, and and also on top of it, you didn't really see it coming. You can say that you thought there was a chance he would get to 700, and I get that. But did you really think that at the All-Star break? The All-Star break, it's kind of like, oh, well, this is nice that all those guys, many of whom probably barely even know about him because they're so young, are paying respect to this guy. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a farewell, and he just wasn't really doing all that much at the time, specifically April, May, and June. But then what's going on in the second half of July and August and September? I mean, he has been the Cardinals' third best hitter in the month of September, and he was a, a force in the month of August. I could have never predicted it. So I think the fact that the concert, so to speak, is ending with this ridiculous crescendo and encore, I think you can use the analogy there, uh, I think that understandably will color the entire package of comparing Pujols' 20 years and yeah. specifically, what, 11, 12 seasons in St. Louis and then Musial's time uh, that it would I would I would think if I did put this on Twitter right now, Albert Pujols would win. Yeah. But you have to consider who the voters are right. and how many people really saw both play and could truly analyze it. And then also importantly, as you made reference to compare the eras. That's where I get into the Ruth thing without having seen him play to right. just go, okay, look at the peers he was in another world. And the other thing is you don't like to vote against somebody. Exactly. Stan Musial was such a, for lack of a better term, gentleman yeah. that nobody goes, well, I want to vote for Albert, but then I'm voting against Stan. Or I want to vote for Stan, but then I'm voting against Albert. And Albert's brought me or my family or my kids all of this joy. Yeah. So it's not a question that you really want to answer because you have to, by default, vote against somebody yeah no and i agree with you and so much of it is is comparing errors is so difficult like you like you said you didn't see it you know you'd have to talk to different players and players don't play across three different eras so they can't be you know necessarily sources on that so it's too difficult that's why i don't like ranking like all-time players in general because like how do you compare babe ruth to mike trout like it's 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 so much different they play a hundred years apart from each other like it's it's too difficult to do so like i said at the outset i mean basically splitting hairs here but they're two certainly 
in the Mount Rushmore of Cardinals of all time. And that's basically where you got to leave it because, like you said, you don't want to vote against Albert. You don't want to vote against Stan. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts are welcome. We're getting a lot of them. 65780. A number of people have texted in so far and said, well, Stan was here his entire career and Albert left. And so, therefore, it's Stan. Jackson? Yeah, I, but at the time, free agency wasn't what it was now or didn't, didn't really exist. even exist. Yeah, so it didn't exist. So you're kind of, once again, comparing eras when that's not, it's, it's apples But I do oranges. think some people, and I shouldn't say some, like it's a handful, I think some people still hold that against him for leaving. For right. me, I, I, it, if anything, I get him leaving, don't blame him, didn't think twice about playing, and I was thrilled that the Cardinals didn't match that offer. Right. Uh, I don't think Albert Pujols is looked at like he is in September of 2022 uh, if he stays with the Cardinals in December, January, whenever it went down, 2011, 2012, when he left to go to the Angels. Because I think it would have been rough, real rough, and it would have been unfortunate. The contract would have been an albatross for the organization. Right. But I, but I know there are a number of people in this audience in particular who don't, who don't share that feeling. But from my standpoint, I don't think the Cardinals have near the success that they have in 12, 13, 14, 15, and 19 if Albert Pools is on the team with no DH in the National League. Yeah. Your thoughts are welcome. 65780, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. One more segment left, and then it's BK and Ferrario at the top of the hour. We will talk Missouri football, Luther Burden. In the next segment, this is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome in, Bloom Party. Final segment. What do I have? Six minutes, Jackson? Just, I, I think I'm doing it. I'm just never. It's just, here's the deal. I'm never going to be able to manage the clock properly in here. That's that. Let's come to terms with this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's high time we we just say yeah, just it. acknowledge it. Well, yeah. We're nine, ten months in. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. How about this? I don't even know if you know. I'm doing the fast lane tomorrow. Yeah, you saw me. That's awesome. That's that's a long day. As a but the a... people in the 101 ESPN audience said. One hour is not enough. We would like five hours of you on Wednesday. And, and I, I said, okay. That. I second that. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I think you're I, – I love the guys in the fast lane. I think you're going to kill it. What are you doing over there? I don't know. Something's up with my headphones. <laughs> you just had this look of confusion on your face. Yeah, so TMA from 7 to 10, balloon party from 10 to 11, the fast lane in the afternoon. That's eight hours of broadcast excellence, much less I'm sure we'll do a podcast in between. Yeah, boy, we'll have to because that's clearly not enough broadcasting for you. Uh, hey, I said this before the uh, commercial break, and I, I, it's what people are talking about, but then I... This was my reaction when I wrote the question. The Luther Burden yeah. Instagram... And, and there's new information on it since... Uh, since I sent that question. Oh, since you sent the question. I was about to say, since, since the commercial break, and I'm like, no, what in the world? No, since I sent the question. So, Jackson, summarize it, if you would. Yeah, so— Because as a—well, as, I'm 46 now, a 46-year-old man, uh, hanging out on an 18-year-old or 19-year-old's Instagram, you know, it's just not—it's right. not, not where I am. Right. As you well, at 24. I'll take care of that yes, for you, thank too. you. So, yesterday, Luther Burden, uh, five-star recruit, All-American at the University of Missouri. Touches. Yeah. Not, not, not much production in the last game and a half. But uh, he cleared off any photo of him wearing anything Mizzou-related on his Instagram account, took Mizzou out of his bio on Instagram, and then posted an Instagram story saying, patiently waiting with a black screen. 
And so clear, uh, obviously Mizzou fans start panicking as he had zero touches in the game against Auburn. And so uh, people were going nuts. And then since then, this was 12 hours ago, Luther on his Twitter account tweeted, Mizzou fans, please don't misunderstand my intention. I am always a Tiger. Just be patient. Here we come. So uh, I think a lot of people's panic was then kind of put out. but and, under, and, and I have to tell you, understandably so. Right. I've talked about this. It was the Kyler Murray thing that went right. on with the Cardinals. I realize that has very little uh, Q rating in St. Louis because it's the Arizona Cardinals. And even you know, if you're still into the Cardinals, even though they've left 30-some-odd years ago, uh, you know, it's just not something many people are paying attention to. Gabe DeArmond, Power Mizzou, uh, friend of the show, every Friday here on uh, Balloon Party, He's just like, if you are trolling players, you know, who are most likely 20, 30, or 40 years younger than you on social media, you know, you might have to look in the mirror. Um, and he is not going to spend all season monitoring guys' social media for coded messages because he's been through this before. Right. Um, you know, I, I here's, here's, here's where I am on it. it. It strikes me as odd, but I don't know what goes on. I... I look at the way that people handle social media and there's such a generation gap that I look at it and I just go, God, it's just, it's just, you know, right. It's attention seeking yep. and it's so transparent. And so if I know somebody wants something and I'm not really down with the cause, the, what I'm going to make sure I do is not give it to them. Yeah, exactly. So I don't even really want to talk about it because I, it's it's an Instagram post, and this stuff goes on relatively regularly. I, he, he wasn't saying he was angry. He just pulled it. But then at the same time, I know a lot of people who are college football fans in the area and certainly Missouri fans, that was what they were talking about for however long yesterday. What, 12 hours? I mean, yeah, it yeah. owned Missouri fans and you, you headlines, and, and you include – what happened on Saturday and the ire toward Eli Drinkwitz for a healthy percentage of fans, I personally am not there. But again, I wasn't ever really super high on him. I'm hoping I'm wrong, hoping he beats Georgia and we can have all kinds of uh, peace. Oh. Can you even imagine? I'll be in Columbia, so that would be, uh, we'd be taking the goalposts. Would, you, char- would you charge the field? I'd would be- you feel a little too old to be charging the field and carrying goalposts? Absolutely not. You would not? No, I, I could pass for a college student. You, you could. I'm 24. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And I take that thing right to Harpo's. You would. Oh, yeah. That would be that'd probably be the biggest win in program history. Uh, yeah, I would say it would be. Yeah. So I mean, it would it would lead to nothing. No, yeah, there would be no so payoff. So Kansas to become number one in 2007. Right. That Impactful. That, right. But of just pure underdog stature. Uh, yeah, the number, by the way, on Missouri-Georgia is 27 and a half. 27 and a half. Jackson, where is your action? Did it open up at 28 and a half? Has it moved down? Is people putting action on the Tigers? <laughs> Five Tiger? Yeah, I, I would be, uh, I'd be shocked. It's at 28 now. Okay. 28. Okay. I, for the life of me, I have no idea how the money line is only plus 1325. In Seriously? other words, you put 100 on, you only get $1,300 if Missouri wins. Yeah, that they should pay you out the entire sports book. But then at the same time, I suppose, if it were... I mean, what percentage do you give Missouri to win the game? One and a half percent. Can you please round one way or the other? Just one. For, thank you. So exhausting sometimes in here. So exhausting. So therefore, it should be plus 5,000. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Now, 
honestly, at that point, I probably would yeah. ask you for a hundred dollars. I know you have it. Yeah. And put a hundred dollars on it because it'd be like, this would be the greatest thing ever. They win. And I got $5,000. If you, if you just want to bet George's money line, you have to lay 6,000 down to get a hundred. And uh, you probably will get that money back. Let's be honest here. I mean, if it's just to win Jesus the game. Worth the squeeze, though. I assume it's 11 o'clock. It is. I got to go. It's just the way that it is. Uh, for Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party. I want to win ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.